Obesity affects about one in five kids and teens in the U.S. And for the first time, the American Academy of Pediatrics has updated its guidelines to recommend that doctors offer weight loss drugs to children with obesity. Under the new guidance, kids 12 and older could be offered these weight loss medications in addition to behavioral counseling about diet and exercise. Still, some doctors want to see more safety and efficacy data on anti-obesity drugs before prescribing them widely. This is Pulse Check. I'm Lauren Gardner. More than 7,000 nurses in New York City went on strike Monday after their union and two health systems failed to secure contract agreements on increased staffing levels. The negotiations between the New York State Nurses Association and management at Mount Sinai Hospital and Montefiore Medical Center deadlocked after months of bargaining. Both hospitals rescheduled elective procedures scheduled for Monday, started discharging as many patients as safely possible, and requested ambulance diversions. A New York City-based company that wants to help paralyzed people control their computers via their thoughts published its first human safety data Monday. The analysis of four patients' experiences suggests inserting a brain-computer interface as a stent into a vein in the brain is safe. The patients shopped, checked email, texted, and reviewed their finances online without assistance. The company, Synchron, began enrolling patients with severe paralysis earlier this year for an FDA-cleared clinical trial. And Ben Leonard is here to talk about the fight over how to deliver bad news to patients. In 2021, an HHS rule went into effect mandating that test results be delivered to patients as soon as they were available. So you could open your email, say, around 10 o'clock at night, and if you were expecting test results... They could be in your inbox, no matter how troubling, before your doctor can explain them to you. The implementation of that directive has set off a battle between doctors and patient advocates. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me. So this story was fascinating. It you know, reminded me of just personal experience in my family of getting various testing or screening results, but getting getting them way before your provider has a chance to give you a call and explain what exactly this means. So lay out for everybody what the history is here. How did these regulations come to be? Yeah, no, on, the, on your point there, it seems like everyone I've talked to about this story seems to have some sort of personal story about it. It's really pretty wide-reaching effects. These regulations came into effect through the 2016 21st Century Cures Act. Basically, the goal was to prevent healthcare organizations from sort of holding on to patient data and preventing the free flow of it for competitive purposes. Some people were concerned about charging exorbitant fees for being able to get your records between systems or just, you know, making it difficult to share data. So that's where these regulations are coming from. They've been rolling out slowly. 2019 was when the first rules were first proposed. And it's continued to roll out. They were delayed during the pandemic. And the first set of the rules first started coming out in the spring of 2021 and went into effect then. And they went into full effect um, for all things in October. However, since the test results provision that we're talking about here has been in effect essentially since April 2021. So we're really seeing now how it's been playing out. And, you know, we've ended up seeing this sort of clash between doctors, including the American Medical Association, who are saying that patients are getting these results early without doctor's guidance and 
that's causing all sorts of problems. And on the other side, we have patient advocates, which say, you know, this is the patient's data. They should have the right to get it however they choose. Yeah. What kind of examples of, you know, real world effects of this did you come across in your reporting? What kind of anecdotes were you hearing from both sides about the practical effects of people being able to get this information uh, more quickly than perhaps they're accustomed to? And also, you know, on the doctor's side, potentially not being able to walk through things with patients before get, getting the raw results. Yeah. So on the on the AMA side, um, some of the examples they pointed to are people getting sort of, you know, possible terminal illness diagnoses via a patient portal or an email. Um, mm-hmm. One example that AMA President Jack Resnick told me was that, you know, parents are finding out late at night on a Friday when they can't talk to doctors that, you know, their kid's leukemia has recurred. Mm-hmm. So it's examples like that and also you know, less catastrophic, but still confusing results. You know, sometimes the results can come in sort of jargon and can be confusing to people, and they may not be able to make sense of it without a doctor explaining it to them is sort of the argument and what they're saying. On the other side, we have patient advocates who are saying that these test results, patients should be able to get them early or as soon as possible because they could be helpful for clinical trials, getting an emergency second opinion, or community support. There's one ONC official who wrote a blog post actually about how she found out that she had breast cancer before her doctor was able to uh, walk her through it. And she said that it was, um, it actually made her better prepared for follow up care. Because she kind of had time to do research and talk to a friend who had also had breast cancer to make the doctor's appointment more productive. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the examples there. Yeah. So so what's next for this? Is there anything more that can be done, you know, kind of around the edges on these rules? Or is everything just kind of set in stone? You know, what what are you... What are you expecting to see um, in terms of potential fallout as providers and patients duel over kind of two aspects to this that that you were just describing. So the AMA is pushing it for an exception of sorts that, you know, they can they would allow doctors to delay releasing results for, you know, it could be a few hours, few days, if, you know, the releasing the results without an explanation would cause harm to the patients emotionally. ONC didn't seem super receptive to that argument when I interviewed the head of ONC. So unclear what the next steps are there. But I think where we'll see a lot of action is in state capitals. This year we saw California pass a law that would give doctors more time, and Kentucky has also passed a similar law. So I think we may be seeing a lot of action in state capitals from these state medical associations, groups representing doctors. Um, I think one thing that could also affect this is that we don't yet have penalties set for healthcare providers that engage in this information blocking practice that these rules were intended to guard against. You know, these health tech developers, health IT developers, health information exchanges and networks have the consequences set if for information blocking and it can be fairly hefty, but so far we haven't gotten that yet. Uh, the Biden administration agenda has that set. It's expected to be in September of this year. And I think that could sort of affect compliance as well if there is a set penalty or appropriate disincentive is the, the term they use. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's um, penalties against doctors who, who block this information sharing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to watch come down the pike. Definitely. So I know there's been a pretty big effort by HHS and the industry to help patients get access to their data more quickly. You know, how, how does this particular issue um, on testing results play into that broader conversation? 
Yeah, so it's really all part of a broader push in the healthcare industry to kind of help patients more easily access their electronic health data you know, as health information increasingly moves towards electronic health records. There have been issues and, you know, say you want to change providers, it's been hard to, you know, move data across providers. For example, I tried to request data from a hospital. I think it was an MRI result. And I had to write a letter to them and ultimately, I think, had to get it on a CD. So, you know, <laughs> there's there's a lot of fax machines being still used in healthcare and that's often joked about in the health IT community. But there's a big push right now from HHS on TEFCA, which is this trusted exchange. For example, cell phone carriers, you know, you're able to call, if I have Verizon, I'm able to call someone who's on Mm AT&T. Right now, that's more difficult among different types of networks in healthcare, and TEFCA is aiming to fix that. Networks can apply right now to be a part of it, and HHS and ONC are working alongside the nonprofit Sequoia Project, which it's tapped to coordinate all this. So... The industry is moving towards more health data sharing, and this sort of test result debate is a part of it. Mm, yeah, I I know from personal experience, I definitely have a CD stashed away somewhere with MRI results on there <laughs> that I don't know how I'd ever be able to read it. Definitely. All right. Thanks so much, Ben, for walking through this with us. No, thanks for having me on. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Lauren Gardner. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.